0: I would start thinking no 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 this isn't what i want to feel why is this coming back up what like how can i stop this and it would start to spiral again and the more that i would push it away the more that it would grow
1: welcome to the edge of everything podcast If you're an ambitious soul who's ready to master your mindset, become your best self and manifest your dream life, then you are in the right place. Thank you for being here and let's get into the episode. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Autumn, the host of the Edge of Everything podcast.
0: And I'm Cass, the host of the Grow More Good podcast.
1: And today we're going to be bringing conversation to both of our communities based on a conversation that we had from the other day when we were on the phone together. Um, so long story short, we were talking about how our language and our thoughts and beliefs about our, our own mental health and, you know, how we experience different situations in the world, whether it's a limiting belief, self-sabotage, whatever it is, how our language really influences our experience and the severity of our condition and mm-hmm. if we even really have a condition like anxiety or depression or ADHD to begin with. Um, so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today and yeah so we just wanted to preface by saying that like this isn't to invalidate your experience um, mm-hmm. but we're really just trying to help you see a different side of of this conversation and like shift your perspective to look at things in a different way. Cause I know that when we had this conversation the other day, Kath brought up some really good points that I had not thought about before. And it really shifted my perspective as someone who has struggled with anxiety and depression. Um, so yeah, that's what we're gonna be talking about today.
0: Yeah. So this episode may be triggering and it may be hard to Kind of accept and bring in some of the things that we're saying but that's exactly why we're talking about it is because people are and i was one of those people are really afraid to talk about things like this like mental health because i know for me for the longest time like i didn't want to hurt the people that i was talking to about it even though i know that through these questions and through my own experience i've learned a lot and a lot of (laughs) everything that we're going to be sharing has been things that have helped both of us. So if you feel sensitive to a certain topic, I just want to remind you that when that's coming up for you, when you feel resistance to something that we're talking about, like take a second to reset and just come in with like an open mind, literally like just, just listen to our conversation from a learning and from a student standpoint and also know that not everything that we're saying is pure fact. Like these are just our experiences. This is just our perspective with these topics. And if you don't agree with them, cool. (laughs) Like that's okay. Just because we are saying a certain thing, like some of the things that I'm saying Autumn may not agree with. And some of the things that Autumn says, I may not agree with. So, yeah, we're just, we're just offering different shifts that you can make that may help you.
1: Yeah. Um, And so the conversation that we were having the other day kind of started because I have a tendency to over-identify with my issues. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. We were talking about how I was feeling like, I was feeling like I had some imposter syndrome surrounding um i forgot what we were talking about specifically but i i always say i have imposter syndrome i have anxiety i Mm. have all of these different things and Cass was like just kind of showing me that my language is so important because in over identifying with those things i'm actually like kind of making it happen more so can you explain like what you were saying because i feel like you'll explain it a lot better
0: (laughs) yeah um so the depending on like the language that you use you're forming an attachment to it mm-hmm. so when you are thinking to yourself or when you're saying out loud like oh i have a, um, i have imposter syndrome really bad right now like i'm struggling so hard with imposter syndrome and um it ties into like the mental health aspect as well when you say like oh my anxiety or mm-hmm. my depression." So I've had clients in the past who, that was like our main breakthrough was their relationship with anxiety. And my belief is that we all experience these things on a spectrum. Like, I want to also tie in our own experiences because it it helps reinforce this point. But essentially like we all experience these things on a spectrum and the spectrum is the key there because you may have a really deep experience with depression that I may not understand. However, I have experienced depression and I never claimed it as my own. I never claimed it as my state of being because I could experience other things outside of that but the thing is like we are so quick to cling on to these things because it validates us and in some cases having a diagnosis can really help you to understand like why certain symptoms are coming up and also on the other hand i think that it only enforces and allows us to like cling on to the symptoms and make them larger than they actually are when the reality is like we're all experiencing them on a spectrum
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so yeah when you make the claim that like it is you it is a part of you Yes, you want to have acceptance for what you're feeling, but you also don't want to take away from the things that are outside of that, which is also you,
1: yeah, I definitely agree, and the way you presented it to me the other day at first, it was kind of hard for me to hear that because for so long, um especially when I was younger, like I have i'll say outgrown out of having anxiety because. In the past, I definitely feel like I had it. And this is part of the conversation that we had yet the other day, because um, I do think that in some cases, we genuinely do have a, a condition or we we have something within us that is causing, you know, the anxiety, mm. the depression, the ADHD. And <clears throat> when I was in, you know, middle school and high school, like I definitely had anxiety. Like it was to the point where it was debilitating and i had to be on medication and you know this is this comes into like the psychology of it where you know is it actually a chemical imbalance or is it something else that is you know causing the the symptoms and the the condition to present itself but as i have like grown out of it i kind of realized that like i don't have that anymore so that's where for me it was hard to hear that the language behind it has such a big impact because Back then, I was comfortable saying I had it because I did. But now I'm realizing that whenever I say I have that thing, I'm like, I have to remind myself that no, I don't have whatever I had back then that was causing me to experience anxiety and depression. Because now the experience of it is so different; it's not like it's not the same, and it's hard to explain um, unless <laughs> you've been there too. So I'm hoping that someone else can resonate with that and. The best way i can describe it is like back then the anxiety was in my head like i had clearly needed intervention through medication um because there was some sort of imbalance whether it was a chemical imbalance or spiritual imbalance there was something there causing me to have anxiety and depression but now when i experience it i can clearly identify where it's coming from and i know how to manage it, how to stop it without needing medication, without over identifying with it, without saying that I have it because it's coming from a different place. A lot of times now when I have or when I feel anxiety, it's coming from, okay, like what am I eating that day that might have had too much sugar in it? Um, Where am I overworking myself? Where am I not listening to my body? Where am I ignoring my emotions and suppressing them instead of actually feeling them? So That's kind of where I learned to differentiate between the experience of having anxiety as a mental health condition back when I was in middle school and high school versus feeling anxiety or feeling a little depressed or blue or sad now. So it's, this is such a like difficult conversation to have because it's like Cass was saying, it's where mental health is a spectrum and... You can fall anywhere between, in my opinion, having that condition or just simply experiencing the feeling or emotion.
0: Yeah. And I have a different perspective because I don't think there should be like a have, like, I don't think there is like a, I have this thing, like mental illnesses are mental and not to say that you're making them up. Because they are the experience, like you are having the experience, sometimes physically, sometimes it's just like a mental freak out. But the more that you bring attention to it, like the greater it becomes. So, one of the things we were talking about is Autumn was saying, like, when she was talking about anxiety being debilitating for her in middle school, right? Or in high school. Mm-hmm middle school. Yeah,
1: both.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, we were saying like, yeah, it was the worst then. And she also had no, she had no alternative ways of dealing with it outside of the medication.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's where I think it gets dangerous. Is like, medicin, medicin, <laughs> medicine can help limit the symptoms or limit the the experience of it but so can so many alternative things like what medicine Mm -hmm. doesn't do is identify why it's coming up in the first place it just covers it up yeah so like how you handle it not just changing the language I think it could start with changing the language of like not identifying with having it because once you have it, then you're like, oh, it's stuck with me. I I mm-hmm. have it, right? Like it's a part of me. So work on like changing the, I have it and the, it's mine, like my anxiety, my depression is flaring mm-hmm. up or however you catch yourself phrasing it, like remove that, remove it like from being personal to you. Mm -hmm. And then you can look to like, how are you handling it? Like Autumn was saying, like, what are you eating? If you're eating a bunch of shit food that's overly processed and fucking neon, like (laughs) we've we've got, (laughs) we've got some things narrowed down already. Um Your diet, the way you're moving your body, I can already tell you if you're someone that really struggles with anxiety and you're not getting movement and you're scrolling all the time, just looking at social media and you're eating garbage, like there you go. Mm -hmm. There are so many things that you can do right there. Number one, get outside. Just be outside. That can be your first step. Um, but how you handle it, like breath, breath work, that is so powerful too. There are so many different things and we can get into the tools later in the episode, but how you handle it, it's a big one.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And then also I wanted to touch on what you said a few minutes ago about, you know, how medication is what we typically go to, to treat. Yeah. anxiety or depression but like it doesn't get to the root cause and that just makes me question like why is medication always the first thing to be prescribed to people who struggle with their mental health when there are so many other things that we can address and question before actually resorting to medication because had I known back then in middle school or high school that what I was eating what I was doing as far as like movement and exercise self-talk and mindset the habits and routines mm-hmm. and just like, even spiritual practices that I do now that help me manage my anxiety, why isn't why isn't it that we turn to those things first to treat it before actually just diving straight into, okay, give me a pill to fix this. Give me this pill that's going to put a Band-Aid on it without actually addressing why I'm feeling this way, and then I'll have to be on this, this pill for the rest of my life in order to feel quote-unquote normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and as someone who is about to graduate with a degree in psychology, I almost... Decided to go down the you know the traditional path of. <laughs> I I really almost decided to go down the traditional path of, um, becoming a psychologist and you know really getting into this work and being a therapist and treating people, um, with what with what I would have traditionally gone to a psychiatrist for, treating my patients with medication. So this conversation that we had, like I had decided that I wasn't going to do that before, but this kind of just made me think even deeper about why I want to be in this field of the coaching and mentorship space, because it is such a different approach that we're able to take versus what will be taken with a traditional um, therapist, psychiatrist, you know, traditional mental health practices. And I really wish that when I was going through it back when I was in middle school and high school, that I had been taught these different tools and techniques that we'll talk about to actually manage, reduce the symptoms and even get to the root cause. So I don't have to feel or identify with having anxiety Mm -hmm. or depression anymore. So I just, I really wish that traditional doctors, psychiatrists, all of the, all of the people that they were a little bit not to not if you're listening to this and you're you're a psychiatrist or a doctor, not to hate on you because y'all are very important, but at the same time, it's like I feel like there's there's a line of defense that comes before we need to get to that point of prescribing yeah. that needs to be more more talked about um before getting to you guys, you know,
0: yeah, and that that's like just what they're taught, and like yeah. they're just doing what they know and like that's all fine and at the same time like what the fuck is going on (laughs) yeah like when you think about the consequences of taking medication especially if people who are on it for years and years and years like i have friends that have been on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication for years and they still are absolutely bugging with and without it and it's like Mm -hmm. what is it actually doing for you and then there you have to increase the dosage more and more to help handle it it's like come on like we can do so much better than that Mm -hmm. and if you're listening and if you take medication for your depression and anxiety definitely don't just like cut it off cold turkey I don't know how that shit works and I also want you to consider that like there are alternatives to the the methods that you are taking right now that there are alternative ways and you do not need to take that route for the rest of your life like you will not Mm -hmm. always need medication and you need to believe that now. Yeah. Um, do you want to say anything else about medication?
1: Yeah. I also want to share um, like
0: my experience with but go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say um, that actually is exactly my experience that I went through this past year with getting back on medication after being off of it for so long. Um I, like I was saying, I experienced, I had anxiety and depression through high school, and then I was able to come off of it for a year and manage my symptoms um, for for that entire year up until 2022, a bunch of stuff happened. You know, if you don't know my story with social media and all that stuff, um, that's a topic for another day. But anyway, my, <laughs> here I go again saying my anxiety, the anxiety... <laughs> came back with a vengeance and i could not manage it on my own anymore so i decided to go back on medication and at the same time i was also not eating the best i was not um really taking care of my body the way that i should have i this was before i even knew about all of the different practices that could help me manage it and at the time i had just started working with um cass as my mindset coach and so i really learned that I didn't really need the medication. I was going back to it because that's all I knew. I was using it as a crutch. I was using it as, like we said before, that Band-Aid. And then once I learned how to actually like manage my emotions, manage my anxiety, the anxiety, not my anxiety. <laughs> See how easy it is to identify with it. Like this is this just mm-hmm. shows you, even in like a conversation like this, it's just so easy to, to cling onto it. But anyway, um, it just showed me that I didn't need it. And I just needed to have these other tools and the knowledge of how to use them and then use them. Because one of the things that I've struggled with is actually implementing it, because if you decide to go this this route of like getting off of medication and um, managing on your own, it is something that you will have to keep up with, because if you don't, it will probably just come back um which is why it's so important to you know work with a therapist work with a psychiatrist if you decide to come off of medication like cass said don't just go cold turkey um and just know that it's it's something that you're gonna have to take responsibility for it's not a quick fix it's not a band-aid like medication is it's a solution but it takes work to actually get it to work um and on the other side of that my experience with medication i don't know if anyone else has um you know experienced what i mentioned before with having like physical anxiety versus mental anxiety but another reason that medication didn't work for me this past round is because it wasn't all in my head it was in my body and Mm -hmm. the medications that are traditionally used um i forgot what which one i was most recently on but um they're mostly used to treat a chemical imbalance in your brain so if your anxiety symptoms aren't coming from you know uh that chemical imbalance if it's coming from like we said diet exercise self-talk habits and routines spirituality if it's coming from those areas that medication probably won't do much for you because mine didn't do much for me i went up to the highest dose possible and it made me feel worse because I didn't need that medication. I needed the tools to actually not even manage it, but get my body in the right place to no longer need it. Because it it wasn't coming from the chemical imbalance place. It was coming from a, I'm not taking care of myself place.
0: Yeah. And that just brought up a thought for me too, is that the physical response in your body how to combat that is by creating safety within your own body. And Mm -hmm. that ties into creating safety within your own mind as well. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What I think of when you're experiencing anxiety is that like your thoughts are all like way above your head. Like they're not even a part of you. They are just going wild, spiraling outside of you, like, You're freaking out, and it's all these what ifs of shit that's not even happening, but you're like, this could possibly happen. Like, what if this? What if this? What if this? And the only way out of that is to recognize, like, whoa, I am way outside myself right now. Like, how can I come back into my body?
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: how can I connect back into myself and into this moment? Because when you're thinking about what ifs, you are focusing on the future. You are taking yourself out of the present and grounding yourself in the present and recognizing what you're experiencing and connecting back in with your senses is how you can ground yourself and relieve yourself of that feeling. Mm -hmm. But that response isn't just like, Something I used to hear all the time is that trauma gets stored in our bodies and it's not the actual trauma that gets stored in our bodies. It's our body's response to the trauma that gets trapped. Mm -hmm. It's like that memory that gets trapped. And
1: And the emotion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, in my experience, I had a crazy panic attack. I was never one to struggle with anxiety. And I one day had this panic attack where I was just like absolutely spiraling. I was throwing up, and then I would get up and like wash myself off and like look at myself in the mirror and be like, you need to stop. Like, I need to calm down, like stop freaking out what's going on. And then I would like lay on the ground and just look at my hands. And I had to be like, this is my body. Like, these are my hands. I am right here right now. And as soon as I took myself out of that and started worrying about like what the other people were doing, like, Oh, what if somebody, I was in a public bathroom. So that was great. But John was with me, but he wasn't in the bathroom with me. He didn't really know what was going on, but I was like, oh my gosh, like, what is John doing right now? I wonder if he's okay. Like, does, is he freaking out about me? And as soon as I started to go into the what ifs, I would spiral again and I would start getting sick again. And then I would go to the sink and like, repeat the process of just like pushing it away. First of all, freaking out pushing it away and then grounding back in. And the grounding is what would soothe me. So literally Mm -hmm. like paying attention, what I could see, what I could hear, what I could touch, connecting back into touch is really powerful and getting my breathing back regulated. Mm -hmm. Having that relationship and connection with yourself and recognizing like, holy shit, I'm safe. I'm safe right now. That is going to make all the difference
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i totally agree because like it's called the mind body connection for a reason like Mm. your mind has a direct influence on your body and your body has a direct influence on your mind so you have to integrate both parts you have to do the mindset work and you know the subconscious reprogramming in order to you know get through that through what you're going through and mentally but you also have to do the somatic work the nervous system regulation the embodiment you need both parts in order to know feel whole and be able to manage what you're going through in the moment and to not you know run from it push it down ignore it and turn to other vices whether it's medication or weed or alcohol whatever you're turning to to avoid the experience the emotion that you don't want to feel you're going to have to you know like i said earlier take responsibility for your own mental health and your own experience of you know the world and develop the tools and techniques to actually, you know, get yourself through what you're feeling instead of avoiding it.
0: Yeah. And, um, another piece that I wanted to make sure gets shared here is after the fact and the pattern of experiencing over and over the anxiety, um, After that day where I had the panic attack, I would almost recall that memory and that response and literally call it in and I would feel it. So I would literally be just sitting on the couch, having dinner with John, like just vibing, hanging out. Nothing was wrong. And this goes out to all the people who say like, oh, nothing causes my anxiety. Like it just happens and I don't know why. What is your mind doing? Like, what are you thinking about? Because for me, I would recall that feeling and recognize like, first of all, I'd be sitting there and be like, oh, thank God. Like I'm fine right now. I haven't felt anxiety in a while. And I'd be like, thinking back on the experience where it was really bad, right? I would think back to the panic attack. And then I'd be like, yay, I'm not feeling that. Like, cool. (laughs) And the more I thought about what I went through that day, then it would start. And I would start feeling sick to my stomach again. And my heart rate would start to speed up. And once I would feel it in my body, I would start thinking, no, no, no. This isn't what I want to feel. Why is this coming back up? What, like, how can I stop this? And it would start to spiral again. And the more that I would push it away, the more that it would grow. So if you're somebody who, like I said, is like, I don't know where it comes from, start paying attention to what your mind is doing because you may very well be in a safe space when it happens. But like, where is it coming from? And once you start to feel that feeling, that familiarity, where, where do you go with it? Do you push it away, or do you tell yourself, "No, like I'm safe now," mm-hmm. and start focusing on the safety and not the pushing away of how you actually feel? So if you if you do feel like you struggle and you feel like you don't know what to do. If you still feel lost with all these things, what tools and resources can we use to manage our symptoms and our experiences?
1: Yeah. There's so many tools. Um And we don't want to overwhelm you. So we'll probably just go through, I'll we'll say like three of our favorite ones each. Um And they might be the same. <laughs> um But for me, my favorite tools have really been movement, EFT tapping and um, singing. So movement Mm -hmm. for me, looks like dancing. It's going for walks, um, exercise, but not like high intensity exercise, especially if you're in um, the hyper aroused state, like if you're feeling super anxious, really intense exercise is going to just intensify that. Um, So I really like, like I said slow walks like light lifting um just taking myself out of my head and back into my body through movement especially dancing dancing is my favorite form of movement lately um and not like anything choreographed but just throwing on my favorite song vibing out you know shaking the lass, uh doing whatever feels good to me in that moment um and then eft tapping by now when you listen to this episode there should have already been an episode out about eft tapping Um, So you can go listen to that to really dive into what it is. But long story short, EFT tapping is called the emotional freedom technique. And you tap on different meridian centers or acupressure points on your body. And that stimulates um, different energy centers while you say specific um, statements or affirmations to bypass your conscious mind and get straight to the subconscious to reprogram whatever beliefs are coming up for you and then also the stimulation of actually physically touching your body works with the subconscious work and last thing for me is singing and that is um one of my favorite things to do it's also really good for vagus nerve stimulation and to learn more about the vagus nerve go listen to the episode with morgan um she and i talked all about you know nervous system regulation and the vagus nerve in our episode so definitely listen to that one And biggest nerve stimulation you can do by chanting, singing, humming, gargling, and all of those things can take your body out of um, that fight or flight, that anxiety, whatever is causing you to feel super anxious. So for me, those are my favorite because I struggled past tense with anxiety more than I've struggled with depression. So for me, those take me out of that like fight or flight state.
0: Yeah, I would say the biggest ones for me. The first one would be just recognizing your self talk. Um mm-hmm. like we talked about identification to what your experiences are and also like affirming what you want to feel. And it's not about like lying to yourself in the moment, but it's allowing yourself to be safe in the emotion because I mean Autumn and I have talked about this before, probably together, probably also separately, but like (laughs) every human experiences every emotion. Like there is nothing that you have felt that one of us have not felt Mm -hmm. on, on some level or another. And so recognizing that like you are safe to feel whatever you're feeling and nothing is going to happen just simply from feeling so in your head telling yourself that you're okay and grounding back into that connection with yourself um i found journaling to be my savior when i was going through my healing journey still always a journey i kind of don't like that word <laughs> anymore like that <laughs> phrase healing journey it's just literally life <laughs> But once i Literally. started yeah once i started doing like healing work and taking harder action steps to stop being miserable is <laughs> heal, <laughs> my healing journey <laughs> um journaling was really really helpful and journaling in the way that you just write like it doesn't have to be cute just like dancing like it doesn't have to be guided it it's just getting your thoughts out and recognizing what's actually going on in your head because a lot of us just walk around with our thoughts going crazy and we don't think anything of it we think that it's just normal just because those are our normal thoughts in our head but mm-hmm. the reality is like a lot of those thoughts aren't the majority of our thoughts aren't even ours. they yeah. are from an outside source and they're just replaying in our minds. So those are my self talk journaling, and it's hard to pick just one <laughs> no, really. uh, I'm gonna say. Breath work but also like some sort of sensuality. Mm-hmm. Something to connect inward. So connecting to your breath because that can also that can also create calm and create safety and regulating your nervous system and also just like create space in your body.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: majority of us are not breathing right, like correctly yeah. in a way that's serving us, which is <laughs> so crazy. Um, but yeah, paying attention to your breath. And for me, it was grounding into my senses and grounding into the present through my senses, which mm-hmm. pulled me out of it. So Yeah.
1: Yeah. And don't feel like you have to go and try all of these different things. Um, Try them one at a time, find what works for you and then run with it. Because if you try to do everything all at once, it could be a little bit overwhelming. So I definitely suggest starting with one to two of these activities and testing it out for the next 30 days. Find something that feels good and then continue using it daily. Because as I said before, it's a practice. you know, being responsible for your own emotions, for your own um, experiences, it's it's a practice. And it's not something that you can just do once and forget about it. It's something that you have to be consistent mm-hmm. with. So pick the thing that feels good and that you feel like you'll you'll want to continue doing every single day. And it doesn't have to be what other people think is popular. Like, find what works for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. like everyone's experience and everyone's everyone's experience is going to be different so literally like autumn said figure out what works for you and recognize that this is going to be a process and these are tools that you'll implement now and even if they may feel hard right now they're new and they can be confusing at first, but you'll figure out how to use them that serve you, how to use them in a way that serves you. And you'll also be utilizing these for the rest of your life. And you may be able to teach them to someone else and help someone else. Um, and I don't want that to be scary that this is like a lifelong, process because it can seem like it's, we're just like trapped in a cycle of like, oh, this is going to happen again. And I'm going to need to use mm-hmm. this. So like, what's the use yeah. and you can either say s- trapped in the cycle of not knowing what to do and feeling helpless and just experiencing it frequently and more intensely, or you can mm-hmm. frequently and more intensely feel relief. And for longer periods of time, like with the introduction of these things, you can feel that liberation and freedom from the things that are trapping you that make Mm -hmm. you feel small and make you feel isolated. Um, One last, one last tip that for a tool that you can use is start talking about it. Like, don't, Don't feel like you can't talk about these things. I know when I first started working with Autumn, she felt really embarrassed to tell me some of these things. And like, you literally don't know how many other people have felt what you feel. And same thing with me. Like, I didn't like telling people that story of having a panic attack because like, because we all feel that way. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, There's
1: so much shame around our emotions. And if we were just all be a little dude. bit more willing to talk about it with each other, we, would, we could, we could eliminate that shame and just, you know, be able to connect with the other people who experience a lot of the same things that we do. That's how we mm. reduce that shame is by talking about it. Yeah.
0: So if you resonated with either of Autumn or Ice stories and you're still feeling lost with how to utilize these tools or shift your way of thinking about it. If you are still struggling, or if you feel more confused, don't hesitate to reach out to either of us. We both love diving into this stuff because Mm -hmm. we found our way out. Like we, we, you don't have to feel shameful. I can say with confidence, For both of our communities, like you will be welcomed in with open arms, no matter what you are experiencing. The -hmm. last thing we want is for you to feel like these things isolate you and you need to be quiet about them when the reality is that they're what connects all of us.
1: Yep. You do not have to go through this stuff alone. We are here for you. Um, And... You know where to reach us. And if you don't, everything will be in the show notes. Um, And thank you guys so much for taking your time to listen to this conversation. We hope that you took something out of it and that you'll use one of these tools and it will help you in the same way that it has helped us.
0: Yeah. And if you have a challenging idea or you don't agree with some of the things that we said, like, I also want to hear that. I am so interested. and. like we're both very open-minded so if you have a thought that conflicts with an idea that one of us shared like we want to hear that too so yes yeah so yeah
1: we will catch you on the next episode
0: thanks guys
1: thanks guys bye
0: bye